United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to United States of Lead, a podcast about the history of lead poisoning. Today, we are joined with Elena Long, and she is here to tell us about her story and experience with lead poisoning. So before we begin, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself to our listeners. Yes, uh, my name is Elena Long. I'm 30 years old. I live in Chicago, and I'm a mother of five. I have an 11-year-old, 9-year-old, 3-year-old. Jedi will be two next month and a seven-month-old. Before lead poisoning affected your life, what knowledge did you have about it, if any? I really knew about lead. Like, I remember my grandparents talking about it. I really didn't know too much about it. I've heard about the lead in the water, but I didn't know, like, how serious it was, how dangerous it is till Jedi got lead poisoned. And can you explain to us a little bit about the events that led up to you finding out or realizing that something needed to be looked into? Yeah, so um, we just had some concerns really on his developmental delays. He wasn't talking, you know, he wasn't really making any eye contact. He wasn't really paying attention. And all he really wanted to do was have a bottle and watch Boss Baby. And that was it. So at his 18-month checkup, We brought these concerns to his pediatrician. They did blood work and they also did, um, she gave some referrals for pediatric development and neurology, audiology, and that was it. I was like, okay, I'm going to make these um, appointments and, you know, hopefully everything can get worked out. So they mentioned lead poisoning right away as a potential risk? Um, Well, also, um, they did his blood work to also check because he was eating things that's not food. Um, So he's eating paper, (laughs) cotton, crayons. And she also let me know it's called pica. um, Pica, yeah. It's like a Mm -hmm. disorder, yeah, um, where you're like craving these non-food items. So since he was eating these non-food items, she wanted to, you know, check his blood and see what's going on, if there is anything that was going on. Did she associate pica with lead poisoning or you hadn't heard about that? Um, no, uh, she was saying it's like when you're anemic and your iron's low, sometimes mm-hmm. you crave non-food items. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I really only knew about things like that from like My Strange Addictions on TV. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I never knew like, you know, any of my children would actually be eating these things. 
kids, they like to put things in their mouth, but Jedi is like full on eating the paper, eating a whole sheet of paper at a time. So they took his blood. And then the following day after taking his blood, we find out he was anemic. And then we're like, okay, we're going to start him on some vitamins. That could be a reason why he's eating and craving these non-food items. But then the day after we found out he was anemic was when his pediatrician called and said his lead levels are 76.4. So he needs to go to the emergency room right away. That's uh, quite a jump from what I'm sure you were expecting on this journey. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, after hearing that he was anemic, um, you know, we went to the store, got, you know, some foods that were like rich in Mm -hmm. iron. We thought with the vitamins that his iron would go down by his next visit. And we were hoping, you know, the referrals she had made, they were going to help. And that was just going to be it. I wasn't expecting this second phone call from her. Yeah. She tells you to go to the emergency room. You get to the emergency room. What did that look like in regards to the next steps that you took? I went to the emergency room. They actually knew that we were on our way because the pediatrician called and said, Jedi is going to be on his way. And they were just running tests. They did, you know, an x-ray of his um, stomach, made sure he didn't have any paint chips in there. He didn't. They had a toxicologist come in, talk to me um, about like, you know, the dangers of such high level. And also, you know, did IVs and everything started him on the medication. And from the emergency room, they ended up transferring him by ambulance to Children's Hospital, where he was in the ICU. And then that's where he was getting his chelation therapy, where it's like the he was getting shots in his legs every four hours, and he was getting the oral medication every eight hours. And they just started that right away. Okay. Yes. Do you feel like like he was being Jedi was being taken care of? Yeah. So I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know anything of it on the way to the emergency room. I'm looking up like, what is lead poisoning? Really? Like, what is this? And, you know, it says like all these like dangers is a heavy metal and, you know, it can lead to like seizures and death and stuff when it gets to to such high levels and hearing the number 76.4, that's a really high amount for anyone to have in their body, especially an 18 month old baby who's still growing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was just like, take Jedi in your arms and do what you have to do and help my baby because I was not expecting this at all. And my next question for them, and actually they were asking me the same thing, where did he get this from? Yep. The Chicago Health Department came out to the building where we were renting. Um, and it was a basement, first floor, second floor, and we were on the second floor. They came out, did an inspection. They did it for our apartment and just the common areas. So like the front hallway and the back hallway is where they did their inspection. And in those areas, they found 28 areas that had lead hazards. They found lead in the hallway, handrails, the walls in our apartment, on the kitchen, closets, the bedrooms, the windows where there was like paint chips and stuff. And Jedi learned to crawl in this apartment. Mm-hmm. And we were told, which was very scary, was that, you know, every time we walked in our apartment, going in the apartment, going out, coming back in, we were tracking in lead from the hallway. Wow. So Jedi being on the floor crawling, you know, he's putting his hand to his mouth, you know, he's a baby, he's in contact with this lead. And I didn't know, I didn't know putting my baby on the floor, you know, to learn to crawl was going to poison him. You shouldn't even have to think about that. I mean, you know, that's that's the point that we try to make in this show is all of this is always internalized by us of what we should have done or that we didn't know. But there's nothing to have you know until it becomes 
unfortunately, a crisis. Right. Um, like I can say my personal experience, you know, with lead, when I was pregnant, there was the basics of lead could be in water, old buildings, paint, and that was it. I didn't know lead dust from renovations could cause that. And it was the same thing that my daughter was playing on the floor and I was meticulous with cleaning. But when the pandemic happened, we quarantined with my mom, we come back and she had her appointment and she was over the limit and had no idea that it could have come from our windows being renovated. And if you're not following protocol, but why would you? So why why would we know this? We wouldn't. And so that's that's I feel the unfortunate thing is it's like almost a knee jerk reaction to say what I could have done to prevent this, and it's on who owned that place to begin with. So that's what I'd like to start with next. Did you know the people who owned this, or was this just a place that you rented? No knowledge of the landlords. No, we didn't have any knowledge of like who they were or anything like that prior to moving in. We were actually on our way to Indiana. We were 30 minutes away from going to look at an apartment to move into. And we had called this apartment in Chicago like a week before. And then they said someone was taking this apartment. So we were 30 minutes away from Indiana when he called us back and said, these other people didn't want this apartment anymore. Do you want to move in? We were on the way 30 minutes from Indiana to go see this new place. And we were like, we want it. We turned around because, you know, we're such Chicago people. It's a city. We're just used to it. And mm-hmm. it was like blocks away from my kid's school. So oh, yeah, was, like, very convenient. And there was enough bedrooms for all of us. Um, it was enough space that we wanted. So we turned around and he let us get the apartment. Were there other families that lived in your um house? there's you no know, there's a basement that someone lives down there and there's a first floor. I don't know if they're his family. Oh I'm not gotcha. really mm-hmm. sure. I'm not sure exactly. You know, we never really had any conversations with them. How long were you living there? I'm sorry. I don't even remember if I so asked that. We were living there for one year. We were just making one year when we found out that I had lead poisoning. Prior to where you were living, was there any possibility of there being exposure like this? Or were they like, no, this is exactly where he got it. The apartment that we were renting where Jedi got the lead poisoning, that's where um, he became in contact with it. So for a year, it only took a year for him to get to that level. It could have been less than that, but you know, I'm not exactly sure how long it took for his levels to get that way. His bed was in our bedroom and it was kind of by the windows. And the scary thing was that you can just breathe in this lead dust and be poisoned. And Mm -hmm. it's, that's really scary. That's like a pandemic that is not talked about. Yeah. I didn't know lead dust was a thing until the doctor said that it was most likely dust. And I'm like, dust? It seemed too out there to be like how it's too common. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought I had to take a paint chip and ingest it in my mouth to get lead poisoning. And to discover that dust can be it was, it's hard to actually comprehend that that's a reality when then you think, well, how many houses are there out there that have, you know, old windows or lead paint underneath and the water and the pipes. And now actually we learned too, from a discussion with a lead researcher in Australia, that soil is actually something that is even more alarming than paint and water with kids and lead poisoning. So in the summer, he was mentioning that because of the dryness, 
the lead in the soil because of like the dust, if you will, from the soil blowing around can actually, yeah, cause more severe lead poisoning than people realize. So even playing in the dirt as a kid, you know, and you're putting your hands in your mouth and breathing it in, just being outside because they have a study where they show the levels are higher in the summer than they are in the winter. So, and then they decrease. So if your child is out in the summer, but they don't get tested until the winter, the levels could actually not show what it actually is. And I mean, are we told this? No, No. (laughs) we're not told this information. So now did you yourself get tested? Did they ask for you to get tested after this or your other children? No, they asked for my other children to get tested. They did get tested. My seven month old didn't get tested yet. They don't test Mm -hmm. till 12 months, but Mm -hmm. my other children got tested and their levels are like 1.1, you know, doing all my research. I don't think that's a safe level even. There's no safe Um, level. No. Yeah. But according to doctors, they say, you know, they're in the clear zone or whatnot. And they don't do treatment until you're at like a 45, which is ridiculous because even, you know, small levels. And it was just on the news. One of the um, pediatricians from the hospital that my son was at talked about it last night saying from levels from one to 10, their IQ can drop six points just from those levels. So Mm -hmm. even low exposure to lead can cause like serious complications and damage to children. Yeah, especially in the first six years, but even in adults too. So I know that you said you didn't get tested and I'm not trying to be an alarmist or anything, but even in adults, it increases your risk of heart disease, stroke, heart attack, and high blood pressure. I never had high blood pressure in my life. And then after we left that place, I had high blood pressure. There's no safe amount of lead, but there's something that they deem okay, (laughs) you know, by their standards. And unfortunately, it's because all of us do have lead in our system. Even if you're not in a place where it's considered a, a red zone of exposure, chances are you do. While doing this, I'm sure you've connected them with other families who have been in the same situation as you. Do you find that there's a commonality in regards to just this being completely out of left field before it affected your life? Yeah, you know, I didn't know like this was going on. I didn't know this was as common as it is. After we found out he was diagnosed with lead poisoning and the news reporters came out and did our story, another mother who lives in Chicago, Caitlin, she reached out to me and she actually been through the same thing with her two sons. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, like that's really shocking. Like I didn't know this was something going on. Now, did you move right after you found out? It took a little while. Yeah. to move out because, you know, not a lot of places want five kids and, you know, like credit and all this stuff. So it was pretty difficult to find a place um, quickly, but we did get out within a couple months of finding out. So after this happened, like, did the landlord have to now get a crew in there and scrape off all the paint and redo it and have like a, a hazmat crew come in and certify so that it was as- safe? Yeah. So as far as I know, it hasn't been abated at all. It's only a few blocks from where I live now. So just driving past, you know, I'm able to see the outside chipped paint and everything is still there. Um, So I'm not sure exactly what they have going on. If it's going to get fixed at any point soon. You have this team of medical professionals buzzing around doing stuff. 
know, there's all these talks about like when smallpox was a big thing that people were scared of and doctors saying, we wouldn't even know what that looked like. If someone came in, they murdered, we don't even, we wouldn't even know how to identify the smallpox. It's so old. And so I was really worried that that was going to be the case with your story, that we'd bring Jedi in and they just wouldn't know what to do. But they called. That was really great. So you got all these people buzzing around. And then you said that, well, someone from the government or some department of public safety or something came in and did some kind of test. So with all of that going on, the landlord or the people that own the building were able to just not do anything to your understanding i want to yeah to my understanding um nothing's been done yet and And how long ago was this i'm sorry this was when we found out he had lead poisoning was october 29th of 2022 okay yeah and his levels now we just got his results back from last week and they're at a 16.4 which you know is still really high but it's better than it was So that actually brings me to my next question is, what's a day in the life of having to go through this? And how long does this treatment have to continue? Every day, day to day, I have a lot of, trying to think of the word, I guess I would say I have a lot of hate towards this landlord. And every day I just think about like, we paid like almost $20,000 the whole year to live here for this to be my son's home, my children's home. It's Mm -hmm. supposed to be his safe space. And it wasn't that I paid all this money to live there for my son to get poisoned. So I think about that every day, you know, every other day, it's like doctor's appointments, therapies, doing constant research on lead poisoning and trying to get resources and just sharing this awareness with everyone that I can in hopes that, you know, Jedi story will help another family. If it doesn't help them, you know, that maybe they can take the information from Jedi story and pass it on to someone they know. Yeah. Um, it's also affected us emotionally, mentally, you know, it's, it's draining. It's really draining. And for Jedi too, you know, he has to go through, you know, seeing the doctor all the time, seeing these therapists every day of the week, he's getting speech, physical feeding, developmental and occupational. So he's getting all these therapies and I can only imagine how he feels dealing with this. And financially also it's been a burden because we're at home now, you know, I can't commit to going to a job when I have all these doctor's appointments and therapies going on. So that's been really rough. I want to say Jedi needs the care as like all together, how all my five kids would need care all together. That's how much care Jedi needs for himself and all the attention he needs. So it's been a lot. It's been a rough ride, but we're working through it. Yeah. That is all the time we have for this week's episode of United States of Lead. Tune in next week for the conclusion of our interview with Elena Long. For those who want to learn more about Jedi's journey recovering from lead poisoning, please check out the links in our episode description, and we will talk to you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead, hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning, We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.